Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, have you recovered from the absolute bait and switch that Team Resources pulled on us? They were all, you know, aggro's not good, I don't know, Silver Quill, and then just stomped us. Yeah, folks were telling me that LR was going to do that, that they're going to, like, say that Silver Quill and Lorehold were bad and then draft those. And I was like, they're not going to do that. They wouldn't, you know, just, <laughs> you know, use their entire platform to bait three people, right? But then that's absolutely what they did. Yeah, just absolutely abusing the power of limited resources. So for folks who did not watch, we did get stomped on Friday in the Lords versus Resources showdown, uh, two to seven. It was just a quick 5-0 and done. I didn't even get to finish my match against Marshall before uh, the results were in. But it was really fun still, and I'm excited to run it back for next set. Yeah, there is no world. We could get 0-9'd, and there's no world where I would ever <laughs> not have a blast playing that event. Like, we're just underdogs, for sure. Like, every time yeah. we're playing against, you know, Hall of Famers and best drafters of all time, people that are MPL level, that thing. And it's awesome to be a part of. So, yeah, no shame. Yeah, no shame for sure. And we'll we'll give them a, a run for their money, hopefully, a little bit more next time. I think, uh, I think 5-0 is uh, hopefully an anomaly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ben, we got a lot to talk about today. We are uh, still trying to dump as much info out there as we can for Strixhaven. You know, a lot of the stuff that's difficult about this set is like figuring out the open lane. I've, I've had a, a surprising number of folks come into my Twitch chat saying that they're struggling with this format. And I do think, you know, if you are newer to Magic, which I think a lot of folks are, you know, in the past couple of years, after the last guild set, if you've never drafted a five color pair set before, it can be a little daunting. So we're going to hopefully outline how we're approaching the format today and some tools and tricks and tips for switching and finding the open college for your seat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, we got a little bit of housekeeping to do before. So first things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. A lot of stuff going on over at the Patreon. You know, Ben and I were just talking about it before the show. We're probably going to be trying to figure out some new reward tiers, retooling some stuff. So keep an eye out for that in the coming months. Um, but a lot of really, really good stuff happening at the Patreon. We've got Access to the Discord, that's the place to be at the start of the format. We say that all the time. We've got access to our show notes, access to our draft logs, and now thanks to 17 lands, that's not only like draft logs, deck picks, but you can also just replay all of our games. I had someone reach out to me and was like, I was just looking through your draft logs and went through this entire, you know, 17 turn game that you played, and that was really informative for them. So there's a lot of resources there as well. We've got a private section of the Discord. We've even got monthly coaching sessions for folks if they want to give back at that level so there's a lot of cool stuff happening there and each and every week we want to make sure that we shout out our new patrons and ben i'm gonna to have to ask you again to help me out here in welcoming caleb thomas karn carby jeff zach emma budget magic cast jan adam daniel justin colin matthew cole mads thomas ben rusty jordan big al drazi 
<laughs> Love that name. Chris. Greg. Joe. George. Jared. Max. Josh. TJ. Ryan. Chris. Brian. Chandler. John. And Scott. Holy patrons, Batman. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough. We haven't had a lot of joke names. I feel like that was going on a lot about a year <laughs> and a half or so ago. Big Aldrazi bringing it back. Well, how are you putting that out into the world? Now we're going to get a ton next week. <laughs> I don't know. I always enjoyed that part of it. <laughs> Show also brought to you in part by ChannelFireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. There are big changes coming to CFB, Ethan. Yeah, I saw that email this week. I'm excited about it. So there's the CFB marketplace. And what is that, you might ask? So basically, CFB is not going to be selling singles anymore. And they're going to be partnering with Good Games to set up the Channel Fireball marketplace. And they're basically trying to you know, act as a hub for all of the local game stores and other stores to you know, sell their products. And you'll be able to go to this one place, the Channel Fireball Marketplace, and shop from you know, tons of different places, including local game stores. So just kind of there's a really great quote from John Sasso, who's the president and CEO of Channel Fireball. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what you're supposed to say every time yes. you say John Sasso. So here's his quote. Uh, We're taking our business in a new direction with the marketplace. And this is our biggest step towards that. Channel Fireball is getting out of the business of selling our own singles and into the business of selling the products of the local game stores on our marketplace. We don't want to compete with the stores. We are working for them and with them. I think that shift is awesome. And I think like putting more of their efforts into like encouraging and supporting local game stores is a great thing for 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And you sort of already saw that with the Strixhaven release party, right? Like we were encouraged to, you know, push people getting their product from local game stores as part of the Strixhaven release party. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, really cool. And you know, you might be wondering, whoa, I've got loads of store credit at Channel Fireball. What's going to happen to that? You'll be able to use it on this new marketplace. So don't worry, those sweet CFB bucks that you've earned are still going to be there. Yeah. And as always, whenever you go over to CFB for anything, please use the code LOL. Uh, when you sign up for anything over there, whether it's CFB Pro or getting some product, they are still going to be selling sealed product through Channel Fireball. So please, please, please use code LOL and let them know that we sent you over there. All right. Well, I haven't really gotten a chance other than Friday, Ben, to talk to you about where you're at with the format. I was surprised. I was I was a little nervous before our little testing meeting, our little prep meeting on Friday, that we were all going to be all over the place. But you, me, and Alex were all pretty lined up. Um, and I think we should just talk about where we're at with the format and our, our thoughts, our takes, and, and maybe see if anything is updated in just a couple of days. Yeah, I'm hot on blue as the best color in the format, and I think you are as well. For me, Quandrix is number one. I think probably a really good Silver Quill deck might be number one or number two, honestly. But the fact that blue toes the line between Quandrix and Prismari as two of the best, if not the two best colleges, is really, really, really important. Yeah, my basic like overall take of the format right now is the blue decks, in my mind, are the best. I think Prismari is number one. That's the Whoa. deck I've had the most success with. Um, so I, I think Prismari's one, Quandrick's two, but it doesn't matter. Like I want to draft those two, if at all possible. And so I'm valuing blue cards very highly. And then below that, I think white aggressive decks is is pretty good. Shout out to BK and LSV for 3 owing with red-white aggro and black-white aggro in the team draft. And I think Witherbloom feels largely like a trap. I've tried it every which way. The only way that I've liked it is when it's Quandrix Light, when it's just the good green cards and then a little bit of black removal. I think otherwise, it's all too trinkety and like 
cute and you have to draw your stuff in the right order and it just folds to Barian books. Yeah, I think all of that is true as well. And some of that is just the best lessons are blue and green as well, right? Like you get access to fractal summoning and elemental summoning, which are the two best. And then Silver Quill gets access to Inkling summoning, which is awesome for its game plan and strategy. And then the other two summonings just fall off a little bit. And I think that also just speaks volumes to how important learn and lessons are as part of the format. The other deck that I've found to be a trap, like I was so, so, so hot on Quintorius. I think even last week we were like, Quintorius is just as busted as we thought. I just don't think that that's what Lorehold should be doing. It feels too hard to come together and then you have to play bad cards to try and enable Quintorius. And then what if you don't draw Quintorius or what if Quintorius dies? Like there's just too much going on in this you know, grindy graveyard recursion Lorehold deck for it to be good, I think. Right. Both Witherbloom and Lorehold, if you're building them those ways, are you're hoping to compile like three or four components that are not individually powerful and all get interrupted by removal. And if like the three card engine that you're trying to assemble gets disrupted, like you're just losing. And when you could just be playing Silver Quill or, you know, Prismari or Quandrix and just playing great cards and great interaction and great card draw and just doing everything really well. Yeah. And I think this all speaks to our next bullet point here, which is that Barian Books is absolutely busted. Yeah, I've seen the light. I mean, I had my eye on it and I didn't quite fully understand it. And I actually really punted against LSV in the team draft um, with Barian Books when I got humiliated. I played a tap land and I could have played an untap land. Twitch chat pointed it out to me. I just totally missed it. But yeah, card is very, very good. It just kills the giant 1010s running around that are fractals. And there are a lot of 1010 fractals running around, whether it's from Serpentine Curve, which is the three and a blue, you know, make a one one fractal and then plus one for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Or, you know, things like Leyline Invocation, that's the 5G, make a fractal equal the number of lands you control, or just people going and getting their fractal summoning late in the game. Well, the other thing is that this is just removal. This is either three mana or five mana removal in blue. Not only does it just kill tokens, but also when you just put something too deep, you are effectively killing it. And then, oh, your opponent happens to draw that two turns later. But especially if it's something like, you know, if they've invested counters in a Quandrix Pledge Mage, or if your opponent's been like trying to pump stuff up with Guiding Voice and Expanded Anatomy, like there's real punishing ways to use Burying Books in this format. I agree. It's very, very versatile and very powerful. The other card that I have seen the light on, and you said I would, right? Last week we were talking about environmental sciences and I was not oh, yeah, absolutely. so high on it. And you were like, I think you're going to change your tune. Well, my tune has been changed. Environmental sciences, best common in the set, question mark? The first copy, at least? I think the first copy is because it yeah. opens so many doors for you. Even if you're just a two color deck, the ability for all of your learn spells to say, go get a land, gain two life is super busted because a lot of the decks really want to hit land drops. And then frequently you have a powerful rare that you want to splash in a two-color deck or whatever. And if you have environmental sciences and five learn cards, then you can just play the one land and your five learn cards are all sources for that splash. It just makes your mana so, so, so consistent. Yeah, once I got it in my head that like the first copy of environmental sciences turns all of your learn cards into split like land spell finders, that was a real light bulb for me. I hadn't quite considered that, that environmental sciences is just so unique because all the other effects are make a creature, augment your thing, kill this thing, but you don't have anything else that says you get to find a land. Yep. 
really, really good. Uh, have you had any experience with these oops all spells decks with cards like you mentioned Serpentine Curve? Uh, have you played with Cody yet? I have not gotten to play with Cody yet. I've not seen one. It's on my bucket list. As soon as Alex tweeted that it was good, I was like, all right, yes, slamming Cody as soon as I've seen it, and I've never seen it. But I did get a chance to play with Serpentine Curve yesterday, and it's very good. I think, you know, there's cards like Curate that can just dump, puts a spell in the graveyard. And then if you want to bin two spells, you know, if you happen to hit two spells off your Curate, you maybe get two or three spells in there to power up your Serpentine Curves early. Strategic Planning is another sweet one. You know, one in a blue, look at the top three, put one in your hand and two in your graveyard. Also possible to bin spells that way. So you can turbo turn on serpentine curve but there are just a lot of prismari decks that can run you know 15 spells in their deck and serpentine curve is just a great card in that deck it's very rarely going to be worse than a hill giant i think a lot of people miss that it starts as a one one even if you have no spells in your graveyard so all you need is two spells in your graveyard before you're getting a hill giant which obviously you'd rather have a better magic card than that but it scales so well over the course of the game well especially if you've got you know a handful of learn cards like all of those are then doubling as this learn card is a spell and then the thing i'm going to find is also a spell yes absolutely i have uh, it sounded like you were very surprised that i really like prismari and one of the reasons that i like prismari so much is that i think not only does it play the big dumb spells version this these assertive tempo prismari decks i have really loved off the back of Prismari Pledge Mage, that's the 3-3 with Magecraft it can attack, and then uh, the Prismari Apprentice, the 2-2 with Magecraft, it's unblockable, but if the spell you cast is 5 CMC or more, oh gosh, I'm sorry, 5 mana value or more, uh, <laughs> if it's 5 mana value or more, then it gets a plus one plus one counter on it, and that Apprentice gets out of control quickly. That in tandem with Baryon Books is so good, especially if you have the spell reducers, or if your opponent's racing, and now you're like 5 mana thing to grow your Apprentice, only costs 3, etc. Even Symmetry Sage, your your pet card, the single blue O2 with Magecraft, a thing has base power too, and it has flying. I think all that stuff with like cantrips removal learn lesson i think that deck is pretty real that's also a great home for serpentine curve right because that deck frequently runs a lot of burn and then serpentine curve is this giant top end finisher for you after you've been beating down right and that's a great spell like the fractal summoning or elemental summoning right you want those things that are affecting the board but also triggering your pledge mages and your apprentices yeah for sure so speaking of good blue cards i've gotten wrecked quite a bit by negate as far as the mythical archives go i had assumed it would be manatized i have managed to avoid getting manatized <laughs> so far um, but yeah negate test of talents is the one in a blue counter and instant or sorcery spell and you get to search your opponent's hand library graveyard for other copies of that and exile them and then if you took them away from their hand they get a draw card for each one removed from their hand just getting to look at your opponent's hand and deck with Test of Talents feels really good. It's really good. I mean, these, these cards are both very main deckable. I think I would run two copies of a card like this, like either one of these. Test of Talents is better than Negate, I think. Um, what about Duress? It makes me think that I could be main decking Duress, too. I've been Duress. I don't know. It makes me nervous still a little bit. Yeah. Definitely worse than Test and Negate. I think definitely worse. But the fact that I'm even considering it in this format is just kind of wild. I always write Duress off as an F, but I think this might be a format for it. But yeah, definitely don't feel bad about main decking Test of Talents and Negate. I think you actively want to run the first copy of one of these. Yeah. Ben, is this just the state of Limited that two drops are at an incredible premium? I just feel like that when's the last set where we were like, you really need two drops, but there aren't good two drops. 
Yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of good two drops in this format. They're tough to come by. I do think two drops are definitely at a premium here. A couple ones that I've bumped up specifically in my pick order are Reckless Amplomancer. That's the one on a green 2-2 that you can pay four green to give it plus two plus two. No, double its power and toughness until end of turn. Yeah. And then Scurrid Colony, the 1G with Reach uh, that after you get eight lands gets uh, turns into a 4-4. Four, four. In the Strixhaven release party, I had Reckless Amplomancer and Team Pennant in my deck. And that's a pretty potent combo. I mean, I'm not really high on Team Pennant anymore, but now it has three power. And so you, you have one activation makes it a 6-6 six, six, and it can't be chumped because it has Trample from the Pennant and it has Vigilance. Like, that's a pretty pretty good little combo there. Yeah, speaking of both of those equipment, we were pretty hot coming in. I've cooled off on both of them, mostly because it feels like the games play out such that you just overwhelm your opponent or tempo them out. It doesn't really come down to trample or flying necessarily that often. Yeah, I just never find room for them. Like the fact that they're non-creature things that don't trigger magecraft feels bad too, or like don't contribute to your spells matter stuff. I yeah, I just never find room for them. They're playable, but not not super high picks. So yeah, so prioritize your two drops, folks. I think like getting your Prismari Pledge Mages early is really important. Illustrious Historian, the two one that you can recur as a three two from your graveyard, like just finding the ones that are good and matter, I think is important. Where are you at on card draw these days? Because I'm going to say that aside from a handful of cards like Practical Research, the five mana draw four in blue red, or Eureka Moment, the four mana draw two, and then you can play a land. I don't think the raw card draw stuff is is that important. Like, was it Mentor's Guidance, the three mana spell in, in blue? Yeah. I mean, I like that if you've got a bunch of Magecraft stuff on two, sure. you know, the Quandrix, you know, apprentice or whatever or quandrix pledge mage both of those it's very good with but i think in general learn and lesson does enough of a good job making sure that you never run out of steam that you don't necessarily need it i have been very impressed by things like blue sun zenith i've also been kind of impressed by ingenious mastery which is the two blue x spell uh, where you draw x cards and you can also cast it for two and a blue and have your opponent make two treasure and scry two I think that's fairly good. I, I was underrating that card and I had some pretty good experiences with it yesterday. Yeah, I think like the big draw spells like that, like a harmonize, sure. Like th- these are unique enough or like at a good enough rate. That's sort of why I put the the Prismari one, the five mana draw for, I think is just busted. But but these the little things, the, the little draw twos, they just don't feel like they matter that much. And again, I don't find room for them because of the learn lesson stuff going on. Yeah, I agree. And then just to sort of, I don't know, springboard us into... The main topic today about finding the lane, or as we've titled the episode, changing majors, right? You're drafting one college and switching to another. I am just essentially taking the most powerful cards like bombs, removal, good learn spells, environmental sciences through the first half of pack one, and then just hoping a lane presents itself to me by then. I'm not worried about like making playables. I'm not worried about bobbing and weaving that much. I just want to make sure, I guess, other than Witherbloom, I want to make sure I'm finding the open college for my seat. Yeah, I think that's by far the most important thing you can do. And it really does feel like a reading signals type format as opposed to trying to carve out your lane. I mean, you can approach it that way. And I think certainly in some of the deeper colleges, it's okay to just, you know, say, I'm going to be doing this thing. Like you're probably going to get a reasonable deck in Prismarian Quandrix just because there are so many good cards. Um, But I think, you know, generally, if you can set yourself up as one of the two colleges that don't have anybody drafting them, you're going to end up with a great deck. Yeah. So we were trying to think about 
how we can present this to you, the listener, in a way that, you know, would be actionable or helpful without just us reading a boatload of card names about what the good yeah. cards are in the format. And one of the things that popped into my head was, you know, back in, you know, we are going to college here. And you remember back in <laughs> elementary school diagramming sentences, you know, we have to find the subject, the verb, the adverb, whatever. So I think we were going to try to frame this as like diagramming Strixhaven packs, which does not sound like the most exciting thing in the world. <laughs> but I do think it could be really helpful as far as reading signals. And once I went back and looked at some of my draft logs where I train wrecked and actually applied this to them, it was pretty apparent which college was open. So the basic crux of what you're trying to do when you're diagramming these Strixhaven packs is first you're trying to identify the best cards in the pack and just put them in the colleges where they belong. So for example, if you see a Baryon books, you know, that's going to be a Prismari or a Quandrix card. Or if you see, you know, Rise of X Juice, that's going to be a Silver Quill, a Lore Hold, or a Wither Bloom card, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then I think also it's important to point out that there's bonus points for cards going into multiple colleges. You know, we've talked about it's not as important or you shouldn't be as worried to take a gold card because, like, you're only shutting yourself off from one college in that respect. But I do think it's still important to give a little bonus points to, you know, a card like Baryon Books over a card like Eureka Moment. Not not only is Baryon Books just way better than Eureka Moment, but that one can go into two decks and that flexibility is important early on. And that's also why cards like Fractal Summoning and Elemental Summoning or even environmental sciences are great early picks because a card like fractal summoning you know you can play in prismari you can play it in quandrix you can play it in witherbloom and that's those are places where you want to end up or even you know elemental summoning goes in quandrix prismari lorehold like they have three of the five colleges that you can fit them into right so hybrid cards go in 60 percent of decks two color cards go in 20 percent of decks and monocolored cards go in 40 percent yeah. And then step two, after you've identified those best cards in the pack and which colleges they belong to, I think you're looking for role players. You know, we've talked about this recently um, as far as like raw power, reasons to do a particular thing, role players, that sort of thing. You know, those five R's. If you haven't taken a listen to that episode, would encourage you to go back and check it out. But identify role players that might wheel for colleges you're considering. So if you're thinking, you know, maybe you're going to be Prismari or Quandrix. What are you expecting or hoping to wheel? And if those cards don't wheel, you just need to be aware that there might be multiple drafters of the colleges you're trying to draft. Right. Wheeling something like the Needlethorn Drake when you're in Quandrix or thinking about being in Quandrix or towing the line between a blue red deck and a blue green deck. And then you see the Drake wheel or you see Spectacle Mage wheel. And then you're like, oh, maybe I should be in Prismari instead. Identifying those cards. And they're often just like the two color commons for the college. Those are the cards that I think you expect to see a little later in, in those packs. Yeah. And then the last thing is just making sure you know what the replaceable level cards are, just the cards that don't matter. And I think you're supposed to ignore them almost completely for signaling purposes, unless you just see a huge density of like, whatever, Prismari cards that are not particularly great, but like almost the whole pack is blue and red or whatever. But generally, the cards that are not good, just don't factor them in as far as, you know, trying to figure out what's open. So if we're diagramming like how pack one goes in picks one through three, you want to generally just try to take the best card out of each pack period with maybe, you know, some slight considerations for what you've already drafted. And then that that meaty part of the pack picks four through eight, that's where you're trying to identify an open college for your seat that matches up well, hopefully, with the cards you drafted in picks one through three. Like I was looking through my draft logs. There's not a lot of drafts where I'm just straight up dumping my first five picks. That sometimes is going to happen. And you want to be aware of when that's the thing to do. You know, when you're drafting some white and black cards, but then you see a pick six Rutha, 
probably should take that. That's probably better than any you know white or black card you can take out of the pack. If you don't end up in blue red, fine. But if the, if you do those like ten percent whatever times where that pick six Rutha does mean no one's drafting Prismari, you're gonna be happy you took it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that even speaks more to why you need to pick environmental sciences in the summonings highly because you don't want to have to dump those first picks, and they're yeah. so likely to be able to be played. And they give you time to read the signals in picks four through eight about what's actually open. Right, exactly. So I think the other thing to be aware of, and this was true for myself while I was trying to think about how to you know, help folks out with navigating drafts, you know, if you see, you know, you really don't get signals until picks four through eight. Picks one through three is largely just pack collation, right? Yes. And picks four through eight is where you really start to see stuff. So if you see a pick five Rutha or a pick six Killian or something, that means five other people have passed on that card. And, you know, you're feeling like, well, I maybe already passed some, you know, silver quill or whatever. Am I really supposed to jump ship for this Killian? And the answer is yes, because all those people (laughs) to your left are experiencing the same thing you did. As well, it's just hard to get those first three picks out of your mind as far as what you've really passed. Right. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. And like I said, it's not that you are always going to find that Silver Quill is open when you see the pick six Killian. But the times when it is, you're just going to get the nuts Silver Quill deck. Yes, and it's and maybe you take it and you go back to where you originally started because Silver Quill didn't keep flowing, and maybe the table just didn't know how good Killian was, or maybe it was just a random thing where there was a great rare and also happened to be a Killian that a couple other people passed on or whatever, but somebody was still drafting Silver Quill upstream from you. Right. So speaking of, you know, there's going to be a few types of draft, and it's just important to try to figure out which one you're in. Um, and so here's what kind of we. Uh, outlined as far as from easiest to hardest the types of drafts so the first type of draft is where you start a college you start quandrix or whatever and you stay quandrix the whole draft and those are really easy straightforward almost anyone can navigate those drafts the second type is you start a college and you hedge into other colleges ultimately returning where you started right so you're drafting quandrix you see that pick five rutha you speculate you see that pick six killian you speculate but ultimately, you return back to drafting Quandrix. Yeah, and maybe you end up splashing the Rutha because that's a great splash in a Quandrix sure. deck or whatever. And sometimes that's going to be the case as well. And that's another reason to you know, hedge for those powerful cards is maybe you can find a way to fit them ultimately in your deck. Mm-hmm. Next would be starting a college and then abandoning ship from that college once you've identified a different open college. So maybe you started Silver Quill. And you've determined for whatever reason that Witherbloom is the open college. So you abandon all your white cards and you pivot into Witherbloom. And those are going to be the ones that are scary. Like you're going to be wondering, is this really worth it? And I think more often than not, the answer is yes. I'm going to insert another type of draft here, which is where you're not starting a college, but you're mostly a color through, I don't know, it can often be through into the beginning of pack two. So you really just get deep into one color and then wait to identify which of the two options you're going to pair that color with. Oh, yeah, like towing the line between two, like you're blue and you're towing the line between Prismari and Quandrix. Exactly. Yeah, I've had a lot of drafts like that. Yeah. And then the last one here would be starting with just an assortment of powerful cards of a bunch of different guilds, like poop, dollar in the swear jar. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to be starting with cards of a bunch of different colleges. Um, So maybe, you know, you have a Killian and you've got a Quandrix Apprentice, just cards that don't match up at all. And then you Mm -hmm. just take a while to find out, okay, this is the college I think is the most open. This is what I'm going to go with. I get a lot of questions about drafts like that specifically. People are like, when should you decide? Because I think towing the line is fine or taking flyers on different colleges is fine. But then at a certain point, you have to commit to something. And when do you think that deadline is, Ben? As far as like the latest you could do it? Yeah. I would want to know 
very early in pack two at the latest, I think, in this format, because otherwise you're just mm-hmm. missing out on a lot of potential gold cards. Usually it's for me, I have a hunch about one of two things, like going into the wheel in pack one, and then usually I solidify it, and maybe it changes based on what I open in pack two or something like that. But I would say generally after the first eight picks, you should have it narrowed down to two things, and then usually all it takes is one good card to push you over the edge into one of those two things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's later than a lot of folks think. You know, the beginning of pack two, early, maybe like pack two, pick three, something like that. So you've got a sense of what's being passed to a little bit, but I think that that's probably later than a lot of folks think. So you you don't have to make that decision like buy pack one, pick eight. And also, if you're towing the line between two overlapping colleges that are a wedge, you know, if you're whatever, I think the most common is going to be Quandrix Prismari. If you're towing the line between two of those, you can do that a lot longer. And, you know, if you're a more experienced drafter or you just want to try to get to be a more experienced drafter like that, I would feel comfortable doing into pack three almost. Yeah, I agree with that. So before we hop into some drafts here, I think we want to take a look at what just the best cards in the set are in our mind at the common and uncommon level to try to, you know, help you frame, you know, these are signals potentially for these certain colleges or these style of decks. So looking at the top commons overall in the number one slot, certainly your first copy, I think, of environmental sciences is the best common in the format. So it's two mana colorless lesson. Uh, and you can search your library for basic land card and gain two life. Just edging out the best lessons in Fractal Summoning and Elemental Summoning are, I think, the best removal spells in the set in Baryan Books and Heated Debate. And Baryan Books is, I think, better than Heated Debate. Yes, I agree. Largely because it's blue and lets you be Quandrix or Prismari, whereas Heated Debate is Lorehold, Wantlaw, or Prismari. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe there's something to be discovered about Lorehold. Maybe we'll find some different stuff that makes that deck tick in a few weeks. I mean, I do think it's aggro. And I mean, I think Lorehold aggro probably is better than Lorehold control from what we've seen. Combat Professor's yes. great. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do think there's stuff there for sure. Yeah. So after Baryan Book's heated debate, uh, the two summonings, Fractal Summoning that makes the uh, X Fractal and then Elemental Summoning the five mana make a 4-4, and then followed by Inkling Summoning, I think, just because of how important that card is to Silver Quill. So Inkling Summoning is the one uh, white-black-white-black hybrid for the 2-1 flyer. And that jumping all your pledge mages pretty consistently as 3-1 flyers into the air every turn feels really good. Yeah, I think Inkling Summoning is also a really important piece of the Lorehold aggro decks as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I wrote an article this week. It probably should be out by the time we release the episode um, on all the learn and lesson stuff and how I'm approaching them and ways to think about them and why they should be so high in your pick order. And I talk about it being a toolbox thing a lot of the time, right? The value of the first copy of a thing uh, is really important and then diminishing returns. But I think Inkling Summoning specifically for the aggro decks, they just want as many copies of this as they can get their hands on. I would say Expanded Anatomy similarly doesn't have diminishing returns as much in the aggro decks. Agreed. So then beyond that, we've got the best common learn spell in Rise of Extus. This is the four hybrid hybrid silver quill sorcery. It exiles a creature, exiles an instant or sorcery from a graveyard, and then learns. Yeah, card is really powerful. And then in the green decks that don't get a ton of removal, specifically Quandrix, Mage Duel's up next. It's a two and a green. Give your creature plus one, plus two, and fight. And then it costs two less to cast if you've cast another spell before it. And that is trivially easy to turn on. And then last here, we've got Expanded Anatomy. We've talked about it a lot. This is the other important colorless lesson at common three mana. Sorcery, put two plus one, plus one counters on a creature, and it gains Vigilance until end of turn. And then past those, it gets really contextual really fast 
depending on the type of deck that you're drafting. I mean, you could make a case for Arrogant Poet if you're drafting Silver Quill ahead of, you know, Mage Hunter's Onslaught or something if you need two drops. Or you can make a case for, I, I don't know, there's a, there's a million different ifs and what your deck needs at that point. I think the top learn spells, Guiding Voice, Field Trip, Pop Quiz, even Hunt for Specimens, you know, those are, are I think, right below this list that we've outlined. Sure, yeah, I agree. And then looking at the top uncommons overall, we just have five here, and this is basically just the three nutso learn spells in Igneous Inspiration, that's the deal three, divide by zero in blue, which is just, I think every time you read that, you go, it does this, um, but it's basically a, a bounce spell, or you can be a remand, like it's a counter spell, it's just the spell goes back to their hand, and Professor of Symbology, the two mana two one in white. Yeah, and then past those three uncommon learn spells, Killian, white-black for the 2-2, and spells that you cast that target a creature, whether it's your opponent's creature or your own, costs two less to cast and has menace and lifelink. So it makes your removal cheaper. It makes all the buffs you want to put on your own creatures cheaper. Just really, really busted. And Rutha rounding this out is the one blue-red, one four. Really nice little blocking body here. Three mana, one four. You can pay two, return Rutha to your hand to copy an instant or sorcery spell you control. Well, and also being able to return itself on blocks as well. Like just blocking a giant fractal, copying a Barian books, and then you have that one fractal blanked. It's really strong. And it's so hard to kill. If your opponent has mana open, you just can't fire off a removal spell because they could play an instant and copy it with Rutha, and then you're just out of luck. Yeah, I, I love Rutha. It really makes a lot of the blue-red decks tick. All right, so now that we've you know got a good idea of some of the best cards in the format, and we've got a plan for how to navigate these drafts, uh, let's put it into practice a little bit. So let's hop into one of my drafts here. Pack one, pick one, take a lightning bolt, uh, single red for the instant, deal three to any target. So that's your pack one, pick one, and moving on to pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. There's a Prismari Pledge Mage, the Prismari Prismari Hybrid for the 3-3 Defender that can attack when you cast an instant or sorcery spell. Fractal Summoning, uh, the Quandrix Quandrix Hybrid X Lesson uh, that makes a 0-0 blue and green fractal creature token with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. That's really good because it goes in potentially Prismari and or Quandrix. And also Witherbloom. And also Witherbloom. Thank you. And there's also a Mage Duel, 2G for the sorcery. Costs 2 less to cast if you cast another instant or sorcery spell this turn. Target creature you control gets plus 1 plus 2 until end of turn and then fights. And really, like, the uncommons are not great here. So I think you're really deciding between those three commons. There's also a Eureka moment. Uh, but the uncommons are Lorehold Apprentice, Detention Vortex, Defiant Strike, and Ardent Dust Speaker. Nothing to write home about. No, not at all. Yeah, so I think it's interesting here. I mean, my philosophy about drafting is always about this, like, identify two cards, right? Identify the best card in the pack, period, and then identify the best card that goes with what you've drafted already. And I think that's super important here in identifying, ooh, this card looks like it's going later than it should, and this looks like a reason to jump ship or to take a flyer on a different college. But you don't have that here, right? Not really, no. Like, we're looking at commons pick two, which feels kind of bad. We're deciding between, I think, Mage Duel, Prismari Pledge Mage, and Fractal Summoning. Now, according to our, our little list here, Ben, Fractal Summoning should be the pick here. Yeah, it's tough. I was just looking at that, like, trying to think what I was thinking about. And I think some of what I was doing here, so I ended up selecting Prismari Pledge Mage, and I think it's because two drops are such a premium. But I still think I probably messed up here. And I, I think now I would take Fractal Summoning. This draft is from about a week ago. Yeah, I mean, things have changed a lot. If you had showed me that list of the top 10 commons that we just talked about, I would have been like, wait, what? A week ago, even. or Maybe even less than a week ago. But I really feel like that's good. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if things shift. But I agree. I found Prismari Pledge Mage to be 
quite important, especially in Prismari decks. It's not quite as like flexible as other hybrid cards are, right? You can't quite think about this as a two-drop in Quandrix or a two-drop in Lorehold, but if you are slanted heavily enough towards that color, it is possible to get this on two in those off Prismari decks. I think Fractal Summoning is the right pick here, though. I agree. Yeah, so I took a Plus Mage incorrectly, um, but moving onwards to pack one, pick three, see the following cards as options. There's a pop quiz, which again, toes the line in Prismarian Quandrix. That's the two blue instant draw card and learn. There's a Pilgrim of the Ages, which is a rawly powerful card, but just doesn't feel like it belongs anywhere great. It's the two white, two one. When it ETBs, you search your library for a planes, reveal it, put it into your hand. Then you can pay six to return Pilgrim from your graveyard to your hand. Every time I've cast it, it's felt good, but just deck construction wise, like it's not great in Silver Quill. It's not great in the aggro lore hold. That's the problem is that both white decks, I think, want to be aggressive and they don't care about a three mana two one that draws you a planes. Like that's just pure value, but that's not aggressive at all. Yeah, it's tough. There's also another fractal summoning in the pack, potentially a great option. Although the second copy is a little less good than the first. Right. And then Uncommon's, again, kind of junky here. There's a Whirlwind Denial. That's the two blue instant counter it unless they pay four. And a Grinning Ignus, two and a red for a 2-2. And you can pay a red, return it to its owner's hand to add colorless, colorless red at sorcery speed. I got I to gotta derail just a little bit. You love to make the U.S. sound oos, like Rise of x Is it not that? Are you returning as the Lords of Limited Pronunciation expert? I have to step in here and say it's Grinning Ignus. What am I saying? Ignus? x Extus, Extus, Ignis. All right, he's back, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he's back. Official Lords of Limited <laughs> Pronunciation expert. I'm re- I'm resigning. I've been shamed. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's the same conversation here in this pack in terms of wanting the first copy of Fractal Summoning pretty highly and it being so flexible in terms of, you know, you're not seeing insane signals here. You're not seeing any signpost on commons or anything like that. Um, you're not seeing any of the powerful learn stuff even. So I, I would just take the first copy of Fractal Summoning here. Yeah, I think with Prismari Pledge Mage, it's definitely Fractal Summoning. If you already had a Fractal Summoning in your pile, are you taking the second one here? No, I'm taking Pop Quiz then. Yeah, I think if you have Lightning Bolt Fractal Summoning, you take Pop Quiz. If you have Lightning Bolt Prismari Pledge Mage, you take Fractal Summoning. I agree. So moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's a Spirit Summoning. There's a Heated Debate. Uh, two and a red for an instant. Deal four to a creature or Planeswalker. And then... There's a 10 the pests at uncommon black green instant as an additional cost to cast it sack creature and make x11 green and black pest tokens but not a whole lot else to write home about and with the start we've had I think heated debate is a pretty clear pick. So now we're starting to get into signal territory here, right? It's pack one, pick four. There's a rare missing. There's a mystical archive card missing, but then there's also a common missing. Uh, and so maybe someone took Baryan books, but I doubt it. So I would say that heated debate is probably signal-ish or signal light about red being open. And you're hoping to be Prismari at this point. But, you know, the nice thing about being in those teamer colors is that you can can often splash a little bit too. Yeah. So at this point, you've got a lightning bolt, a Prismari pledge mage incorrectly. A Fractal Summoning, and a Heated Debate. Okay, great. So moving on to pack one, pick five, see the following cards as options. There's a Prismari Campus. There's a Leyline Invocation. 5G Sorcery, make a Fractal equal to the number of lands you control. And then some Uncommons. There's a Team Pennant, uh, one mana for the equipment. that gets a creature plus one, plus one, Vigilance and Trample. And you can equip a token for one mana and three to a normal creature. And there's also a Flunk. Uh, one on a black instant target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is seven minus the number of cards in that creature controller's hand yeah i mean this is tough because flunk is i think flunk is the best card in this pack but it's so hard for you to pivot 
for it, and it's not as powerful as something like a signpost on common. If you saw Quandrix Apprentice here, you might try and jump ship, and it's not even jumping ship for you, because then you could still maybe play, well, I got the Fractal Summoning, I can splash some red here, whatever. Flunk doesn't give you that flexibility, so you're you're in a little bit of a tough spot with this pick. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the cards in this pack just don't matter at all. Ding, ding, ding. So I think it's worth taking the flunk here just to see what happens. So in actuality, I took Team Pennant, but since then I've come down on Team Pennant enough that I just don't particularly think it's going to end up in my Prismari decks at all. And I think Flunk is just a better card. And I'm so unlikely to play anything from this pack that I think it's right to take the Flunk still. Yeah. And I think let's talk about Prismari Campus real quick, because I think a lot of folks might be tempted to say, hey, you know, you're in the team or colors. Why not just take the land here and hashtag delay the decision a little bit? And I just don't think you should be taking campuses this early. I think it's way more important to bob and weave with spells in pack one. And then once you figure out what your deck is, when you figure out what your two color pair is, then you can pick up a, an on-color campus or a, a one-on-color campus later on. Like, you want to make sure you have a campus in your deck at the end of the draft. You just don't need to take it this early. Yep. All right. So you take a flunk here, speculatively. And then moving on to pack one, pick six. See the following cards as options. So there's a hunt for specimens, one on a black for a sorcery, make a 1-1 one, one pest, and you learn. There's a Eureka Moment, two green, blue, instant, draw two cards, and you can put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. There's a Cram Session, one, and with a Gloom (laughs) Hybrid, gain four and learn. How dare you? I'm just tilting Ethan with that. I'm higher on Cram Session (laughs) than he is, for anyone that's wondering what's going on there. Arrogant Poet, one and a black for the two one. When it attacks, you can pay two. If you do, it gains flying until end of turn. Arcane Subtraction still here, one and a blue, instant, target creature gets minus four, minus O until end of turn, and you learn. And there's also a Ten the Pest. Yeah, so this is interesting, right? So... We would much prefer to be, you know, in in a blue deck. We'd much prefer to be Prismari or Quandrix. You've got two good red removal spells. You've got the Prismari Pledge Mage. You've got the Fractal Summoning. We just took a flyer on Flunk. And now I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six cards that go in black-green. And so I wonder if you're supposed to say, hey, we got the Flunk. Maybe we hedge into black. We take the hunt for specimens here. And essentially we're drafting two decks at this point. Yeah, it's tough because Arcane Subtraction goes really well with all of your cards. You want the learn to go get your Fractal Summoning. But there's, I think the world at large probably values Arcane Subtraction less yes. than we do. So it doesn't really feel like a signal that maybe blue is open here or whatever. But there's also the Eureka moment hanging out. I don't know what's right. I could definitely see taking hunt for specimens here and just sort of feeling it out because hunt also goes and gets your fractal summoning from your wither bloom deck so it's tough i think i like taking hunt for specimens here but it would be a hard call to make it's a really tough pick it's close i mean i do think hunt for specimens is the best card here right that's the important thing to identify right the best card in the pack and then what's the best card with what we've drafted and i think those two cards are hunt versus subtraction yeah I ended up taking subtraction in the heat of battle. I think you can make a case for hunt, and then we're going to see why here coming up. Uh, Moving on to pack one, pick seven, see the following cards as options. There's literal zero blue cards. Uh, There's a biomathematician, which is filler in Quandrix. It doesn't even really count as a signal to me, unless there's just a huge density of other Quandrix cards. Um, And there's an intro to prophecy as a lesson still in the pack. Three mana, colorless, scry to draw card lesson. But there's also a Witherbloom Apprentice here, which is black, green, 2-2. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So, I mean, 
you could have potentially, I think, picked up on Black Signals, gone flunk into Hunt for Specimens, into Witherbloom Apprentice. And then you've, you're pretty well set up to do Witherbloom or Prismari at that point. But it also, at this point, feels like blue is pretty cut. Yeah. Well, the nice thing, too, is even though Lightning Bolt and Heated Debate are like off, they don't match up well with Black Green, if that's where you end up going. They're still quite splashable. Like you can't splash them off the campuses, but you know, you get an environmental sciences, you get some learn, you're kind of off to the races. Yeah, just jund them up. And and this is a really big signal. So this the reason Witherbloom Apprentice is such a big signal is I think this is the signpost on common. This is better than Dina in Witherbloom. Yes, I agree. Um, this is like the engine-y piece of that deck if you're trying to do incidental life gain magecrafty stuff, which I think you are gonna be trying to do. And I think Witherbloom Apprentice is great. So yeah, you feel good if you go flunk into Hunt for Specimens, and then this. And I think you're then moving all of your blue-red cards to the sideboard. Yeah, and so I did take the Witherbloom Apprentice here, um, and I was ready to pivot to Witherbloom after that, even after not having done some of that stuff that we talked about. And then pick eight. There's an elemental summoning still here in the pack. But there's also an emergent sequence. Yeah, emergent sequence is one in a green for a sorcery, search your library for basic land, and essentially it's a 2-2 almost 100% of the time. Right, it's a mana dork, basically. Yeah, so I mean, you could have stuck with Witherbloom, but then I so I ended up sticking with Prismari here, long story short, and pack two was fine. And then pack three, I was cut on Prismari and Witherbloom did flow quite a bit. So I think if you had been paying attention to, you know, the signals and diagramming the packs the way we talked about, and really you saw a lot of Witherbloom signals, if you were looking, you know, closely and analyzing in picks four through eight, I think it could be right to pivot into Witherbloom. But then there's the larger case of, should you really be trying to pivot out of Prismari into Witherbloom? That's a really good question. I don't think I'm on like hard avoid. I'm never going to draft Witherbloom so much. But I do think Prismari and Quandrix specifically are colleges that I'm willing to draft with other people just because I think they're so deep at common. Yeah, I agree. And so interesting there. And I think really tough signals to read. Tough signals to read. I want to go back to that pack one pick five because I think that's so important. And the thing you said about pack doesn't matter. Like the cards in the pack for your deck don't matter. And so that's why it's important to take flunk here. And that's how you get in. If you don't take flunk, you can't take hunt for specimens. So you don't take flunk, you don't take hunt, you take arcane subtraction six, and then it's really hard. I mean, you see the Witherbloom Apprentice, you probably still try and take a flyer on it, but then you're dumping your first six picks kind of. Yeah difficult which feels feels bad so yeah you gotta gotta keep in mind those that line of like what cards matter what cards don't matter well and also that early fractal summoning that we got you see if you make that pivot you still get a play that fractal summoning that's why the summonings are so good for sure agreed all right let's uh let's check out a draft log here to finish out the episode so for my pack one pick one i've got rip apart that's the red white sorcery choose one deals three to target creature or planeswalker or destroy target artifact or enchantment so that's your first pick pack one pick two what are the lore hold follow-ups nothing good and this is sort of the problem with lore hold if you look at all the multicolor cards for it at common and uncommon they're all really bad like, Rip Apart is basically the only one. Like, we're seeing some lower hold cards in this pack. We've got Thrilling Discovery, the gain two life, then you discard two cards if you do draw three cards. We've got Reconstruct History, the wall of text that's basically like you can return a, a type of card except creature, right? You could return an enchantment, an instant, a sorcery, a planeswalker, but like, there aren't enchantments. There aren't planeswalkers. That's not a good card. This is the problem with Lorehold. Like, your best follow-up here is Illustrious Historian. Well, and even Rip Apart is pretty committing and just significantly worse than Heated Debate, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, so tough. 
So no really good follow-ups there. So then it's just about identifying what's the best card in the pack, period. I don't think there are any commons really in contention, Arrogant Poet probably being the best one. Um, we've got a Mystical Archive card here in Eliminate, one in a black instant, destroy target creature planeswalker with mana value three or less. Tenured Inkcaster, the five mana 2-2, two, two, puts a counter on a creature when it comes into play, and then whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then there, your rare is Damagoth Titan. This is the four Witherbloom hybrid for the 1110. When it attacks or blocks, you sack a creature. Yeah, I mean, I think the best card in the pack is just Eliminate as a cheap, efficient removal spell. Yeah, and I think that's fine. You know, we can end up splashing one or the other if we end up in Lorehold or Silver Quill or whatever. But I think you just take Eliminate and just say, hey, I'm just going to take the best card here and move on. There's also, I think, a case to be made potentially for Introduction to Annihilation, except I feel like people don't pick it highly, so you're likely to end up with a copy anyway, and you only want exactly one copy of it. Right. If this is Expanded Anatomy, would you take it here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, interesting. And I think it's close with Intro to Annihilation because it's it's going to make your deck 100% of the time. Right. So moving on to pack one, pick three. It's so interesting looking at these drafts, like even a few days. I'm like, I would have done something much different, I think. (laughs) Um, But we've got a lot of options here. So there's Witherbloom, Pledge Mage, five mana, five, five, Magecraft, Gain a Life, uh, Spectacle Mage, three mana, two, two in Prismari with Flying that reduces the cost of your five mana value spells, five or more mana value spells. Um, Inkling Summoning is here. Burian Books is here. And we've got... A Mage Hunter, which I think has just fallen flat. This is three and a black, three, four. Whenever an opponent casts or copies an instant or sorcery spell, they lose a life. And our Mystical Archive Rare is Grape Shot. One in a red deals a damage to any target at sorcery speed, and it has Storm. Yeah, there's a lot of good options here. I think I would be trying to narrow it down to Inkling Summoning versus Burian Books versus Grape Shot. Mm-hmm. And so with Rip Apart and Eliminate, I don't feel particularly strongly about trying to hold on to either of those cards. I think the card that goes the best with those two cards is Inkling Summoning because it toes the line between both of them. And then I think Burian Books is just the best card in the pack. I think with the start we have, I would take Inkling Summoning over Burian Books because I think it's close, but I think you could certainly make a solid case for Burian Books as well. Right. Yeah, I think so that's, an again, another important thing that Ben is highlighting here, which is that He's not feeling particularly attached to either of these two removal spells. And so it's still about, let's just take the most raw power thing we can. And I think that is Burian Books for my money. Um, Inkling Summoning keeps you a little bit more open, right? Because it's likely to go with either of these two cards or potentially both, depending on how the deck plays out. Um, I took Grape Shot just because I hadn't had a chance to play with it. And I do think it's not hard to feel like you copy this once in the format and then you know i've been impressed by electrolyze quite a bit killing two x ones like picking off a couple silver quill pledge mages feels real darn good and i felt like that was easy to do with grape shot so that's why i took it here yeah so you're you're on barry now i would take barry and books now yeah it's close i mean i think you can make a case for either one so inkling so what you're talking about like identifying the best card in the pack that's barry and then identifying Mm -hmm. the best card that goes what we have that's inkling summoning so Correct. And then and the gap there, I think the gap in the power there is, I think, pretty big for Barry. And I also don't feel particularly attached to either of the spells we've taken. Yeah, I, I think I certainly think it's reasonable to take Barry. All right. Pack one, pick four. Now we're in a little bit of signal territory. There's 
a large number of cards here that don't matter, and then one that I think does, and that's Mortality Spear. Two black-green for an instant, destroy target non-land permanent, and it costs two less to cast if you gained life this turn. Yeah, I mean, so the next best cards are like Arrogant Poet or Expel, question mark. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, you have to take Mortality Spear here just as the best card in the pack, and maybe you're clocking this as, okay, maybe Wither Bloom might be open. We'll feel it out. And then moving on to pack one pick five again, I would make a different pick here for sure, but I feel like... The follow-up to Mortality Spear here is still uh, proving true about Witherbloom. We've got a Rise of Exodus. We've got Mage Hunter's Onslaught, two black black sorcery, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Whenever a creature blocks this turn, its controller loses one life. There's an Expel, which I don't think matters. Like, it's fine. And then at Uncommon, we've got Overgrown Arch, the one in a green 0-4 defender, tap to gain a life, or you can pay two and sacrifice it to learn. Yeah, this is interesting because it almost doesn't matter what you've taken the first few picks here i guess if <laughs> right. we had better cards it would matter what you've taken but especially if you don't have like a bonkers start to a draft you should just really not think about your first three picks that much i mean if they're good Correct. you definitely should but with like eliminate rip apart grape shot even if we take in the inkling summoning or the burying books like nothing there is like i have to be doing this thing you know and so if mm-hmm. you're not in that like B plus ish level territory of cards, you should just be really trying to read the signals. And I think so. We just picked up the mortality spear. So we're trying to decide between Rise of Extus and Overgrown Arch, I think. I think Rise is just better than Mage Hunter's Onslaught. And I yeah. think I would take Rise of Extus here. It lets us still potentially play Eliminate, and it's also going to be the most flexible of the cards here going forward. Right. I think you take Rise here for those two reasons i think it's just better i think it's just the best card in the pack period but i also think it lets us toe the line right we can play this if we end up in wither bloom but if we end up in a silver quill or lore hold life we can cast rise as well yeah yeah so i think that's definitely the pick there so moving on to pack one pick six here are your options study break one in a white instant tap up to two target creatures and learn there's last of malice single black instant target creature gets plus two minus two until end of turn field trip two in a green sorcery search a library for a forest and learn and Snakeskin Veil is our Mystical Archive card. Yeah, there's, again, good options here. That's awkward as far as signals, right? Because this is where we'd be hoping to see a clear signal. And instead, we see a lot of, you know, great role player type cards in several of the archetypes that we're open to, right? So Study Break would be great in Silver Quill or Lorehold Aggro. But we don't have particularly aggressive creatures at the moment. And then Field Trip is just a good card, period. And then Snakeskin Veil is fine. You know, you'll pick it up if you have creatures that you want to protect. But I think certainly less good than Field Trip. So I think I'm eyeing Field Trip here and then like potentially thinking Witherbloom, right? We got that Late Mortality Spear. We just picked up Rise of X2. Field Trip would be our second learn card. And then we can go pretty hard after the lessons. I mean, I think Field Trip is the best card here. And I agree. I wish we were seeing something a little bit nicer in terms of signals out of this pack. But I think, you know, Field Trip, in from what our, our experiences have been in Witherbloom, you want to be a Witherbloom deck that wants to go a little bigger with Field Trip and the Learn and that sort of stuff, right? Right, exactly. So pack one, pick seven. It's still feeling like we're in the right thing, even though we're not seeing, you know, those signposts on commons. We're not getting that Witherbloom apprentice late that you saw, but we are seeing a Witherbloom Campus, we're seeing a Reckless Amplomancer, we're seeing Pest Summoning here, and there's there's not much else to speak of. Like, Strategic Planning is still in the pack, but that feels quite distant. We don't have any blue cards in our pile. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're thrilled to see pest summon here. That feels like it's really rewarding the hedging that we've done. You got the mortality spear. We picked up the rise in the field trip, so we want lessons to go get. And pest summoning is not the world's most exciting lesson, but it is good in Witherbloom. I mean, you definitely want access to pest summoning. So I like locking it up here. Yeah, and we're just basically at this point, I think, moving into Witherbloom and dropping Grape Shot and Rip Apart, and that's fine. And so the pack progresses with us picking up a Leyline Invocation pick eight. We grab a Quandrix Pledge Mage on the wheel, pick nine. And then, you know, shockingly, it sort of felt like, well, maybe it was too late to move into Witherbloom with what we've passed. But that Damagoth Titan comes around pack one, pick 10. And I want to talk to you about this pick here, Ben, because there's Damagoth Titan, which I don't like. I don't want to play. I'm hoping to not put that in my deck. That's the four mana 11, 10. There's an Arrogant Poet in this pack and an Infused with Vitality as well. The Black Green Instant to have until end of turn target creature gains death touch and when it dies it returns to the battlefield and you gain two life i think both infuse and poet are better cards but i think it's important for signaling to take the titan out of this pack what do you think about that i agree i think you're supposed to take titan i think we've also maybe been a smidge too hard on demigoth titan and the seven six the demigoth woe eater demigoth woe eater i think those cards you know in combination with things like 10 the pests or whatever have their place in wither bloom decks and i don't think they're busted and i don't but i don't think just like saying we're never going to play them is a good stance to have i, th- I think they have their role in the wither bloom decks that's so right. I, I would take demigoth titan here and i would look to potentially do some stuff like that with it yeah i mean it's possible we have a pest summoning we could get like a lot of hunt the specimens whatever like i think we could could potentially uh play the titan but i think it's e- even if i don't anticipate playing it i think it's important to not let someone else see it pick 11 plus and move into wither bloom on my left yes i agree something we, we haven't really talked about with this set which we did talk a lot about in zendikar rising with passing or trying to get into those streamlined tribal decks i do feel like you should be aware of signals you're sending in this format yeah i agree to the extent that it's like very powerful cards like Killian or Rutha or whatever. I'm not worried about it if it's middling level cards, but if I'm passing a very good card, I'm assuming somebody is going to take that and try very hard to draft that college. And then, you know, just needing to be aware if you pass a Rutha and want to move into blue red, you do need to try to cut your neighbor off of blue red or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So something to be aware of as well. But I do still think in this set, it feels like what's coming from the right is more important than what you're sending to the left. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that that's what we're really trying to focus on here is about picking up on those. All right, what's happening in picks four through eight? What am I seeing coming from the right? More focused on that than, than what you're sending to the left. Yeah, and just making sure you're clocking the cards that go in each college. And we saw in both of those drafts how flexible the summonings are, right? You know, if you had taken yes. that inkling summoning, it still would have ended up in your deck in your Witherbloom draft. If I had taken those fractal summonings, both of them would have ended up in my deck, you know, pivoting into Witherbloom. So just important notes to take away, I think, from from these drafts and just from what we've talked about in the podcast as well. Absolutely. All right. Feels like a good place to wrap us up. Go forth, navigate, change your major as necessary. Make sure you find what's right for you at Strixhaven University. <laughs> uh, thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben's at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
what's the word? Intermediary. Yeah, thank you. Wow, first, first. I, just I don't know, know if that's first it. Try. It's like a. But you're talking about like they're like a go-between, a, a, a courier, like yeah, they're like the middleman. No, but <laughs> <laughs> they're what are they? It's not. That's none of those are like the exact word. Well, I don't know what it's you're. Like an, the, it's like the, an index, almost like a. Oh, a catalog? No. <laughs> this is phone be... book. <laughs> oh my god! Stop it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're the, shoot, there's a word for what they are. 